well, by design or by stupidity and ignorance, they wrote mm. rubbish about brute force. <laughs> Not that it was negative rubbish, but just that I came from some other town in <laughs> Hi, welcome to episode 28 of the Roscovina Project with co-host Liam Amies. Today's guest has had a long and fruitful music career. He's written songs for such artists as Del Shannon, The Chiffons and Peggy March. He was previously a member of The Tokens before starting his solo musical project, Brute Force, where he ran into some issues with censorship because of this song, King of Fur. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stephen Friedland. You look up high and you see the sky so big and blue And you wonder why people don't worship beauty You look down on the ground and you see the flowers there red and blue and brown And you wonder why people don't worship beauty There was a beautiful land, there was a beautiful land, there was a beautiful land land there was a king and everybody called him the fucking and the fucking did what he wanted to do I said the fucking he went where he wanted to go much too much to read too much history yeah. too many things hey, me and you have got similar coats on do you see we look how about that is that great or what is it cold where you are too i'm freezing that's really great well i i use this actually a coat given to me by a friend given to me by someone it just always astounded me that this person would just hand me this coat yeah and it is so warm Nice. It's filled, you know, with, uh, well, I don't think the geese liked it too much, but when they take, <laughs> feathers, when they take feathers off geese, do they have to kill them? I, I'm not sure. I, guess I don't so. think they grow back. But This but. is so warm, and it was so astounding, and I'm always so grateful for this coat, and especially um, on the cold days, and uh, it allows me to sleep, you know, with hardly any covers at all. You just fall asleep wherever you are. If you've got a like that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, with this quarantine, it seems that that's all it's all that's happening. It's sleeping, yeah. at least with me. Although the whole thing is beginning to break up. What about over there? Uh, it's about, they say in June, it's going to be back to normal, but it's still, you, we're not allowed to, I'm not allowed to see, Ross lives in the same town as me and it's illegal for me and Ross to see each other in person. Oh, what town is that? Brighton. Uh, Brighton in England. Brighton. Yeah, yeah. south of by London. The sea. Yeah, we're by the by sea. By the sea, yeah. I will take a little lorry down to Brighton by the sea and I will <laughs> see ye. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever hear about the mods and rockers used to fight on the beach in Brighton? I've never been there. Okay. I would like to be there. Oh yeah, they're famous for the like bands like the the Who and like mods and rockers and that. Apparently, in the sixties, mods and rockers they used to meet up in Brighton and have a punch up or something. Isn't that right, Ross? Or something like that? that. Yeah, <laughs> something that right? like that. It's, it's, but that's it's, back. It's, like that's before we were born. Yeah. So. 
it's a rock music town uh it definitely used to be uh yeah it's kind of still it's still like sort of local music there's scene not now. much rock music around anymore to be honest in general it doesn't seem to be as popular not even as it was 10 years ago it seems to me that the the the, the section of england called wales is is yeah. uh, a very artistic section of england is that do you have you found that there's a lot of good bands from wales yes uh, but you got like super furry animals uh who are amazing john kale john kale from the velvet underground he's welsh as well i'm sure you know velvet underground tom jones yes <laughs> and uh you know tom jones. Uh, hold it just hold it hold it He's gonna cut. He's got Tom Jones in the cupboard, yeah, hasn't he? He's yeah. gonna come back. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And these, this outfit, uh, Mike Kennedy out in uh, SWND. Oh, cool. Did oh, you ever nice. see that magazine? No, no. no. I've never heard of it. It's a magazine that's published uh, in Wales. Mike Kennedy. And do you ever hear of the group? Um. um Oh gee, well that's Jerris Spencer. Jerris Spencer is that Jerris. lady, that young woman. Oh okay. And and uh, I commented uh, at just after this came out, uh, and they have brute force here. Oh one yeah, I see now. Yeah, yeah. One bad apple is is the subtitle, mm-hmm. and I commented that's the closest I've been to a young woman's legs in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Jerry I can sympathize with that. The name of the group is a car. The name of the group is a car. You ever hear of the group? Because uh, she's a, she's in a band, actually, that young lady. And did you ever get to meet or do you, did you know? Um, Taurus, 1984, Taurus. The no, name of the actually, group no, that's that's the name of her group. The group she 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 sings in that group. Beautiful young woman, get out on stage. Well, I that's not me. It's another lifetime, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, nice. So, um, you've had a long music career. Like, uh, what was the first song you remember hearing as a child? The first song hearing as a child. I bet you was Happy Birthday. but what were the songs that were popular in your childhood well let's see yes but beyond happy birthday uh, good lord it could have been in school then it might have been in school might have been the star spangled banner then the anthem the united states anthem it might have been that and outside of that, I remember my father singing, Come to me, my melancholy baby. Cuddle up and don't be blue. Melancholy baby. Song from the 40s. Oh, it looks like you have some Guinness there. Is that right? Pepsi Max. <laughs> hey, what? Pepsi, Pepsi. Max. Tea? Pepsi. It's like Coca-Cola. Also, <laughs> it's Great, a little okay. bit sleep, there's Great. a little bit of vodka in the bottom of it, but that is a secret. No one's no one's that. 
It goes on. All your fears are foolish fancies, maybe. And I forget the lyrics, but that could have been the song. My father would sing, I remember. And it also could have been a song that my mother probably, yeah, probably a song that my mother was playing at the piano when I was a young, maybe eight or nine years old, seven to nine years old. And we lived in Jersey City. Now, there's a word that comes from England, Jersey. Jersey City, New Jersey. And um, and I'm just getting these feelings of uh, first uh, touching, first touchings in my life with the United Kingdom. Because we lived in Jersey City for, for a while, but we moved down to Deal. But Deal is, again, another word that comes from... Uh, um, England, you see the yeah. the effect. Half effect. of your city is named after it. New York, New York, New York, also for sure. <laughs> uh, well, also, we might as well, your, we might as well join. Language actually, you stole. <laughs> the, the whole language, as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well. So yeah, what what music was popular when you were young? I'm glad you said when you were young, because that's almost paraphrased word for word in a, in a song I'm writing now. Of course, all of this is uh, instantaneously copyrighted. Any <laughs> duplication will be instantly met by a revolver at the door. Yeah. If anyone nicks this, the three of us will come around and beat you up. Oh, but no, but you guys are free to, 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 to uh, of course, to record or to sing any music of mine. I don't want you to think that you can. Tell us with open mind the song you sung now, now that we are old and you are young. A song to, to a child. Oh, anyway, it's music that a long time ago, not a long time ago, but sufficiently soon enough, I, I, I have come to the conclusion, you, know, never, you never give away the farm. Don't give away the point. You don't have to do that. Do not have to. And if they don't ask for it, don't tell. If, if no one asks, don't tell. It's no reason. Uh, but I am pretty much of an open book on the on any subject whatsoever about myself, and I'm always happy to speak about myself, uh, the music, and uh, the uh, what genre was in was it was uh, kind of like what I just remembered that my father sang Melancholy Baby, the songs of the 40s. It was just coming out of the 30s, which was the, uh, had that uh, skipping beat to it. And um, it came in, coming out of the Charleston era. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and the, 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 the turkey trot was a dance. That, 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 bam, 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 bam back foot up like that and uh um the songs that were clean nothing if anything challenged the mind it was done so perfectly it was done perfectly like a song strange fruit strange fruit uh, hanging from, yeah strange fruit hanging from a whatever tree uh if any songs or the song for instance uh, summertime and the living is easy and the cotton is high. 
or your mom is rich and your daddy's Daddy good looking. Good looking yeah. Now hush, little baby, don't you cry. Yeah. One of these days, you're gonna rise up singing, and blah da da. That's my, one of my grandfather's favorite songs. Funny you mention it, man. Is it that was Gershwin, Gershwin, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Summertime and. The living is in beauty. It's a beautiful song. And on and that then, morning, there ain't nothing can harm you with mommy and daddy standing by. Uh, then another then another play had a song that treated racism uh, on Showboat, the song, the show Showboat about a big boat that traverses, goes down the Mississippi, I believe, and uh, picks up people from place to place. And they put on entertainment you know mm. in the sh on the boat that's one of the big things about the boat and uh the song uh the song is um the song that this that the uh um uh at, at one of the main characters a black man in the play sings is um well Anyway, it, it, the lyrics treat the, the, the subject from a distance. Um, oh, well, but gently, but truthfully, but not as, nowhere near as acerbic or caustic or deadly or harmfully or carelessly as do some of the uh, uh, racially enervated artists of today. The, the uh, yeah. Are you talking about music specifically or? or, or... Well, music, literature, yeah. performance, plays. Uh, um, that song is still on my mind. And the... Uh, uh, Lift that barge, tote that bail, get a little trouble and you land in jail. Is the uh, is the release? Um, uh, it's about the river, old man river, that old man river. He don't say nothing. He must know something, that old man river. He just keeps rolling along. You and me, we fret and frail. You used the word gentle earlier, and I thought that was perfect. It was I've a always thought, area for sure. I've always thought music's one of the highest forms of art. Um, Loads of songs like that. Like, Dark is the Night, Cold is the Ground, and stuff. Uh, I like all these old blues songs. But music can say so much without even trying, you know? Like, you can hear, hear a D minor chord, and anyone in the world can hear a D minor chord, and it sounds sad to them. Sad, sad do you say? Yeah, like, it will sound sad to anyone, you know? Like, 
just play a D minor chord. It sounds the sad, minor right? chord, yes. It's... Yeah, but that like that's unlike any other kind of art form I've always thought. Because, uh, sound, the sound. It's inherent. It's, it, music is inherently connected to human emotions. It seems, you know, intrinsically. Maybe that's the word. Not inherently. Intrinsically. Well, it's very, very connected to the emotions. Uh, the sound enters the brain. The sound invades the body. Yeah. The sound is changed by the recipient. I yeah. say something and you interpret it. Mm. You have your own definitions of words, of of music even, of, of the songs that people would say are uh, writing about this or that, you will interpret it into that or this. Mm. The sound changes in the brain of the recipient. Yeah. Kind of like and pass, it, it, passing it, a parcel on and everyone gets to add their little bit to it, you know? Right. Like here, this is how I feel. You listen to it and you can everyone can add their own interpretation to it. Well there you go with debate and disagreement. A is not always A in human discourse. In fact today most times it seems that A does not equal A. In politics in this country, for sure. I bet if they were mandated to write songs and communicate by singing their, their yeah. bill, their legislation. I cannot speeches. think there's never been in the history of humankind a politician who's written a good song. Those two things do not go hand in hand, right? Uh -huh. and, Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone who hears this can correct, but I cannot think it like politics and music. Like, well, uh, the one of the imagine, even like Bill Clinton played the saxophone. Tony Tony Blair played played the guitar. I think, but bloody hell, like I wouldn't go watch their band. M music's always been against politics, kind of in that way. I suppose, like they uh, seem they seem to be antithetical. Yeah, exactly. I was going to mention Bill Clinton just before you mentioned Bill Clinton. Hey, man, we're connected, man. We're on the same page. Same page on the same laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so so you guys ought to go after this also. You ought to send your stuff over to this guy. Uh, Mike Stacks. Mike Ugly Stacks. things. I believe he's a Brit, too. He's, uh, he's ensconced now over in uh, uh, Mesa in California. California, La Mesa, California. You're a pretty big deal of a songwriter, man. That, from what I've been. Oh me? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. I've been right for the tokens. Yeah. Oh, that's right. What was your role in the tokens? Well, when I came into the music business, uh, I got over to them through the generosity of a couple of producers called Hugo and Luigi. There's a producer's couple for you. And they, they produced the tokens. Uh, big hit, Lion Sleeps Tonight. Yeah, man. I was listening to that <laughs> earlier today. Was you involved with that one at all? Or? 
Not at all. Uh, they, thank that thank was God a... for you, because there's a lot of copyright lawsuits, and I wouldn't want you involved. <laughs> with, uh... It's a, it's a, it has a very checkered, as we say, history to it. Yeah, checkered the history and reputation. Yeah, it does. It's a good if, song, they, you know, people on the uh, on one side of society or another complain about it uh, mm. that it was stolen, but you know. All music's stolen, though. Like all music, like all music is uh, is stolen. All of it is. There's only five, there's only so many notes, you know. Very interesting, and I have uh, ruminated on that about a while uh, with the question: Is there a static number of melodies? Yeah, but that depends on how many the wavelengths that we hear exactly we, we hear from here to there wavelength wise right yeah so we could say that there are a static number of combinations of notes mm. well i i heard mozart's even it's infinitesimal it's infinitesimal though you know yeah yeah they say there's enough moves possible on the chessboard than there is atoms in the universe. You know, so. <laughs> it's one of my favorite facts, actually. So with music, you have a similar thing, I suppose. And then with music, you have tone as well. You know, like, it's not just about the melody, is it? So. I as, really, far I, as, the, as far as the words, the words then. Oh, exactly. I really like your lyrics as well. I, I'd be called it like... So I've listened to a bunch of your songs today. Obviously, you're really famous for the King of Earth. Well, language taboo affects the whole world. And I didn't know really when I wrote that song that I too was deeply affected by language taboo. For I sought to change the way one would think about the word fuck. And I did. And it does greatly shatter the, the preconceived definition of the word fuck in people's minds when they hear that song, positing that you have never heard the song before. When you hear the song, Usually 99%, 95, 99% people cracking up. It's a very funny song. It makes me laugh more every time I hear it as well. <laughs> good. <laughs> well, good. Well, we're dealing with language taboo. We're dealing with, again, with that sound, the feeling mm. of that sound. You know, we just talked about sound. When I say something, it goes through the air. It has no meaning. It hits your brain, hits your ears. It has meaning again, but in the area of uh, sexuality and in the area of curse words or spells or magical thinking, that word is in the area of language taboo because it has become taboo and governments have gone so far as to outlaw the mentioning of that yeah. in certain broadcast uh, wavelengths. 
Well, I mean, you've got it bad in the States. They bleep out swear words or like something I, I always notice from American television. We, it used to be like that over here. You can say you can say anything on the television here, but does that go for all the BBC channels? Yeah, you can say yeah, you can say it as long as it's after nine o'clock and, and nine o'clock. It. See, that's another magical thinking. Mm. You know, like there's there's no young people or no people who are offended by certain words that are awake after nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, everyone just goes automatically to sleep at nine o'clock it's, it's yeah i guess it's to protect the children from the evil words but i learned most of my evil well, to words on see, the playground anyway yes right you had, we say cunt you know monty python scene of <laughs> uh could have people uh, with signs we are the cunt sayers <laughs> encircling parks with children playing you know yeah, they were they are amazingly proponents of just the thing that I have in that song in King of Fa. Whereas now, now however, I, I, I with that song also, you know, it's about a king. You see, so and I was very influenced there by your yeah. country that way. So and, when uh, the people tell you off saying, how dare you have this rude word in this song, you're like, no, it's, it's, an, it's actually about fur. He's, he's a real king. He's a king. How dare you have a go at me? That's what I like about your song. <laughs> I, <laughs> you, you've given well, you a get out of jail free clause. It's like an optical illusion, but of the it ears, is a, isn't it? It's an illusion, yes. An illusion, very good. Like, like a person in a desert looks off and sees heat waves and thinks that it's water <laughs> but it's not it's a mirage <laughs> but this is deeper is taboo is very serious in society because when people start putting needles in dolls and start thinking ugly things about people uh cruel cruelty is assisted the accomplishment of cruelty is assisted with magical thinking of 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 curses curses people do think that they can curse other people through language and that is perhaps very cowardly of people perhaps it's a coward's way of being cruel is to curse why not just go up and kill somebody, you know? <laughs> Why just go over to their house and they open the door and boom, you shoot them dead. Well, that has happened, of course, but most people don't do that, thankfully. So maybe that's where swear words serve their purpose. They stop people shooting people in the head. Maybe that's... that's Curses that's do quite, that. Yeah, maybe it's, it's, you know, the lesser of two evils. I'd rather swear at someone and shoot them in the head. Your, where is your microphone, no, Liam? Mine, I, I don't really know. Oh, well, it's buried in your massive growth of hair. Oh, my God. I grew it I myself. Hear you better now. <laughs> Hang on, is it better now? Yeah, that's so much clearer right now. I'm so sorry. Do you know, what you know, it was, do you know where it was buried? In between my crotch down there. <laughs> 
I noticed I said crotch and Wait, not well, let me... or cock or anything rude. I said. Let me clear the air here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Thankfully, sorry. you can't. I'm blowing it clean. <laughs> it's buried in in my never regions. Talking. About I want you to come with me to never regions. <laughs> That's your next song now. Well, I'm, you know, as songwriters, we always think of this could be a lyric, this could be a title, you know? Yeah, same, man. I do that all the time. Too. You do that all the time. The thing yeah. is, if you write it down, you're half saved. Uh, if you yeah. record it, I, I sometimes have recorded it on my telephone. Well, now telephones have their own recording devices. Yeah, yeah. If you can record it instantly, you save yourself because it, it saves your memory. You don't have to. Oh, for sure. The amount of melodies and lyrics that I've lost because I think, oh, I'll remember that later. <laughs> and then right. you have to someone, you speak to someone. It instantly goes, man. It's like when you have a dream, you wake up, you're, you need to you need to write it down. Voice memos on a phone are genius for that. Something hey. fights against it, maybe. Maybe, maybe the inner... You know the the inner mm. identity that w everyone is. The wages war against that. Doesn't want it to be known. Yeah, it's just it's needs to be written effect. down because I don't. If you anything like me, I've just got an internal dialogue. You know, like just constant words going through my head and. You'll forget it instantly. I don't know. That's why notebooks are a beautiful thing. Well, the constant words going through the head, you know, it's like, you know, say you make a, a, uh, a, a, a say you make a good bowl of soup, you know, mm. and you add the, the, you add the, in, the spice that you really mm. like, you like, you're flavoring it. You, I would talk about clear broth, chicken mm. broth, perhaps. Oh, yeah. And you and you just pour in maybe some celery salt, perhaps a dash of garlic powder. Mm. Coriander, maybe. There you go. And, and too many spices will just ruin that broth. Mm. And too many words that are not recorded down will stay in the broth of the mind. Mm. And, you know, so you, you feel you get confused. But the recordation of ideas is definite way to clarify the mind. Sure. Concentration, focusing on what you want to do, uh, you know. Also, I think you hit upon something else there. Keep your book, um, integral keep your... to writing, which is like less is more, you know, like you say, too less many can be already. more when, when you have when you've edited it out and you know what the less is. Yeah. How you work on a song or numbers of songs. If you have to keep them in your mind, though, I do at times I have a certain number of songs that are on my mind. So I have I have them in my head, you know. But I, no way that I have all of the songs that I've written, you know, to my memory. I, 
Are you able to take them off your mind once you've uh, written it, once you've actually like recorded it and stuff, then will it no longer be in your head because it's out there? I think the thing is, Ross, that it's impossible to keep all of the songs in your mind, those many songs in your mind at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Like, I was thinking, is this a creative process where you, you've got the song in your mind, um, but then once you've recorded it, you, you no longer have to think about it anymore? It's gone. It's gone. You released it. There's certain about it that, yes. But, you know, you know that when you're into the recording of a song, it's like uh, it's, it's like an obsessive thing. Yeah, man. It's just that's that's all there is, and mm. uh, you need a break. That's why people take breaks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a problem um, where I struggle to remember so- lyrics of songs that I I've written myself, but I some for some reason I can still remember every lyric to like the Spice Girls songs from when I was like ten years old and stuff and it really annoys me how i can't remember lyrics to my own songs that i really care about i mean a lot to me but i can remember the lyrics to every spice Girls song well then or, it's just or rep- nursery rhymes and things like that you know like but it's uh, i don't know <laughs> uh i wish my well if you better. if then if i suppose if you care if the care comes from that part of you then it will care about anything it'll care about your songs it will care about going to the store <laughs> if you if you call it in this country shop shop <laughs> <laughs> sorry <Right>. sorry <laughs> have you met gareth jones of misty's big adventure i haven't but i've got misty's no, big that? adventure written on my wrist to remember asking oh, you about great. it yeah gareth jones man He's great. He's great. And, and you know, he, he and his band, they backed me like three times when I went over there. And I'd awesome. be loving to go over there right now, but I don't dare with this pandemic because, yeah. you know, I have this single out from Ace. Um, oh, nobody, yeah. know, nobody knows. And uh, it's selling, for God's sakes. Out of curiosity, where did the name Brute Force come from? So... You know, I've been with the Tokens for a while, and uh, they know that I have lots of songs and they, that I write a lot of funny songs. And um, so, the, you know, they figured, they, you know, we figured we'll go in and do some of my stuff. We'll record me as an artist, right? And. Uh, But the but the thing about my name, Stephen Friedland, poses a certain problem. Identity. The problem of identity. Stephen Friedland at that time, it must have been 1965, 66, 1966, might have been not the most rock name an artist Stephen Friedland although there were artists that uh, got away with their own names I'm sure Edie Gourmet Steve Lawrence Mel Torme Frank Sinatra so I mean you know but I was in that 
rocker genre. So, but not only that, my whole psyche was so shielded. I was shielded and I could not allow getting close to close to too many close to anyone actually. Now I came up with ugly brute as the pseudonym uh, to go into uh, a record into having a name on a record and was and we're at the control booth in a studio in New York City and the tokens I'm still a token and and we're they're around there uh, the personnel of the tokens uh Jay Siegel he is uh another Jew he is uh, <laughs> sitting he's standing there by the console and then Henry Medris, he's gone. He's the bass player. And then Phil Margot, he was a bass, he was a drum player. And Mitch Margot, he's gone. He died young, that guy. Mitch, he played, um, guitar. He moved over to guitar when I joined the group and played keyboards. So, I said, well, what about this ugly brute? And Jay Siegel shouted out, brute force. And that was the beginning of that name. I totally give him credit, but let's just put it this way. The common phrase brute force had been in existence quite a long time from which he drew, I'm sure his inspiration I don't think he was inspired by the movie, which had been out, the movie in the 50s, Brute Force, the movie. And in the 70s, there, were, there was a Caribbean band, Brute Force, Caribbean seal drum band, and there was a Herbie Mann, Brute Force jazz, jazz band in the 70s. Then there was some other rock band that came, Brute Force. But I have had a trademark and I've had first dibs on Brute Force as an individual artist, composer, instrumentalist, and songwriter since 1965. So when anybody ever comes in, as some, some group out in Missouri recently came in and they started printing their Brute Force on their on their albums or whatever i i got i had to get after them immediately because <laughs> if i don't want i don't want and they were hard rock and and i just don't want my image it's not that i can't do hard rock or wouldn't enjoy doing hard rock and that i have not because i have written songs which could be produced as hard rock which is one of the first things i think of well now how would you produce this what kind of genre do you want to do with this but it's just that if, say these folks, God bless them, they became millionaires overnight. Well, then people are going to think that brute force is hard, is hard rock. But, and they're going, you know, but anyway, so the trademark is mine. And, and, and Jay Siegel, he came, popped up with brute force. And, uh, and that was it. That was it. And, uh, but the texture between brute force and, 
what I do, what I am, is very good because you know I'm a peace and love guy, you know, and I write. I've written loads of peace songs, and I don't. I don't proselytize brute force on my fellow human beings. I am anti-war, actually, and I've written numerous. I say numerous, quite a few anti-war songs, and. Uh, so that's the story on that. But the greater story is the discussion of identity. And I'll tell you how I have figured it out over time. Now, when I was at Columbia and they doing an Columbia album. Records, with, Columbia with Records. I brewed force confections of love. Which most, which a lot of people know me for. Now, the album was produced, and they did a promotional thing on me, as they do with all artists, and they and they sent out publicity on me, on brute force. But I testify to the world that not one word of their publicity about brute force was true. What did they say? <laughs> well, not well by design or by stupidity and ignorance, they wrote mm. rubbish about brute force. <laughs> not that it was negative rubbish, but just that I came from some other town in Minnesota. <laughs> brute force is a fifteen-year-old girl from Tanzania. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> the publicity on me was entirely. Merde, incorrect. And so, had I been, now this is why I, I say this is a discussion of identity, and that all your precious listeners, all people who hear this, might understand that what dwells within, what you are, who you are, where you are, why you are, how you are, is here, is your identity. And so when you have someone writing something about you, which is completely incorrect, and without even a meeting, I... <laughs> They didn't even ask me to meet with them uh, to write about or to gain some insight into me. Were they just guessing? <laughs> yeah, uh, the it media was, do that a lot, though. They just write whatever they want, I suppose. It was yeah. fiction. It was fiction. They wrote fiction about me. But had I been Stephen Friedland, I have, I have thought, I reckon, to use a British word, I reckon that I would have been given 100% respect. And they would have had to ask me. They could not at all have written that I went to high school in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They would have had to ask me a question. I just wonder how... Well, you can't... You know, it was, it was pure... Uh, the word is... Uh, there's some legal word... But they they wrote Slander? incorrect things about me, and and it was all incorrect. And I was I I was not really smart enough to to get truly 
angered about it at that time or to hire a great you know lawyer and just sue their asses off is the legal word defamation defamation Defamation. yes but there's another word beginning with s which is slender slender yeah i was slenderized (laughs) was it was any of it bad that they wrote or was it just factually wrong i don't think in the court it would matter because you have a multi-billion dollar company writing fiction about me and i have at that moment lived for 27 years so what's going on what's going on why are that why did they do that now by that time i had swum across the bering strait they had plenty of things to write about me i had uh been in the tokens i had songs with bernadette peters with uh Del Shannon. Um, What's the, there's a lady that you wrote for earlier. I sent you the song, Ross. I can't remember it now. It a, I've got talking it about the girls' group chiffons. No, nah, it's one lady. There are numbers of young women that I wrote for. Uh, Beverly Warren, <laughs> uh, Amanda Ambrose. Those were artists that came in and out of the production office in with with. with with the tokens production oh, on cool. but the most the name the most name that i wrote for was bernadette peters actually the song and, uh, uh, liam was referring to was uh peggy march oh excuse me <laughs> see how dumb you get another hit artist right that was the big break <laughs> yeah that's the one i was thinking of that's a beautiful song as well man like that. that was when, when, uh, well, that takes me back to a guy who was with uh, Bill Haley in the comments. Billy Gussack. Billy Gussack is the father of a girlfriend I had in a town in which I lived, Deal, New Jersey. That word came from uh, Great Britain also, Deal. <laughs> Billy liked what I did. He was the father of, of his daughter, who was my girlfriend. He was a musician. He was a drummer. Such a good drummer, as a matter of fact, that he played studio dates with Bill Haley in the Comets. He took me into Hugo and Luigi, who were at the time producing, who had at that time produced the hit, Whim Away, Lion Sleeps Tonight with the Tokens. And now this is 64. They thought enough about me to send me over to the Tokens. And uh, what was your question? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, Liam just asked about the song that you wrote for, what was the name again? Uh, Peggy March, uh, My Teenage Castle. Sure. So we, so one of the songs that uh, Billy liked and I, uh, I brought into them was uh, Moonlight will be the only one with us tonight. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Little Pinky March put on the B side um, of uh, her follow up to I Will Follow Him If I Were a Princess. Her hit, I Will Follow Him. Then her next song came out, 
didn't get as high on the charts. I, I wish I were a princess. And my B side was, don't be afraid. Was no, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. It's uh, no, they they did uh, my mistake. I've got it on my Spotify. It's uh, my teenage castle is tumbling down. That's it. Yeah, teenage castle. Down. Yeah. So good. Tumbling man. down. Tumbling down. Yeah, man. We'll link to that at the bottom of the Lovely castle in the air. We dreamed our dreams of love in there. Tumbling down. Why did you say goodbye? Why did you make me cry? It was that one of those. It was a love song. So what what is a teenage castle? Love lost. It was a love lost song, so. That's what they put on the B side, and you can see how my memory probably is a bit like yours, Liam. Yeah, that's not a compliment for you. I'm sorry. Spotty, mine. My memory's spotty. Well, it could have to do with a lot of things, but I write down things. I'm trying to just write down things, so I and I keep the thing is then you have to remember to get right get to your diary. <laughs> you got to remember where your diary is, first that's, of all. That's right. Where did I put so, that thing? The amount of, I write things down, but I can't remember where I've written them. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, man, do you know what I... Like, I'm, um, like, unashamedly massive Beatles obsessive. Like, I, I absolutely adore the Beatles. The Beatles? Like, I, yeah, the Beatles, yeah. And, like, I... I read and that you kind of knew them and well obviously with king of fur on apple records and and i read that you had a phone call with george harrison and that john lennon like liked the song as well like i don't know could you i'd just be even just for myself i'd be interested to know what your relationship with them was or, and how you feel about it are you a beatles fan well, I, yeah i was with my uh See, we were remarried. I was with my. Were we married by then? Not me and you, mate. No, I've been... <laughs> no, no, not me and you. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. That's quite all right. I, <laughs> I am definitely uh, uh, like women. So. <laughs> um. My ex, well, I became divorced from her, and she has since passed away, but the the young woman that I was living with and I were together in my place in New York City, and we received a phone call. And here's a fellow saying, Hello? Hello? Is that Stephen Freeland? Is that brute force? And I'm going, yes, yes. This is George Harrison, and then in the background, John Lennon. And I said, come on, come on. Yes, yes, it's us. <laughs> so we're astounded. We're astounded. And he said, I'd like you to know you have a great record on Apple. Ah, how beautiful. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, I all I could think of saying some things like, 
may the spirit be with you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to to them. And thank you so much. And um, George Harrison wrote me a letter too, which oh, amazing. which expressed uh, in no uncertain terms that I had a record on Apple. I have a lovely voice, and we'll have to get together soon, uh, uh, more than we're getting together right now. And thank you for, thank you, and thank you for being. And he he wrote it in his. Uh, you pro you may have seen it. I don't know, but he 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 wrote it in his. Uh... Well, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. Sorry. Harrison is alive and living in Stephen's cupboard. He's gone to fetch him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, lovely. All right. All right. Thank you for your time and patience. Oh, Thank you for your patience. Yep. Yep. There we go. Thank you. Dear Thursday. He wrote it. See, he wrote it. Is this too shiny? Does this uh, reflect the light too much? No, no, actually, you can no, see you can that see quite that. well. It's yeah. just backwards. That's the only problem. It goes mirror image. You but see, that's it's from in George red, Harrison. In red, it's done. He did it with a brush. Yeah. It's red and green, you wow. see. George, and he well, and he did a painting at the bottom as well. He did a painting at the bottom of a little... A little yeah. uh, amazing. Oh, look at his signature. That's so beautiful. His little face is supposed to be him, I guess. <laughs> oh, my sure God, man. At the bottom. You're and, so you know, I sold it for thirteen hundred and fifty dollars, the original. Really? Oh, at a Beetle Fest. However, I sold yeah. it for thirteen hundred fifty dollars, which yeah, today yeah, right. probably is. Uh, that was back in the nineties, so it's probably worth much more. Wow. But anyway, he says at the top it goes Thursday, three Seville Row, London, W one. Dear Brute, you have a great name, and a lovely voice, and a beautiful record on Apple called King of Fu. I felt I should make con- some contact with you until we meet someplace when we will really make contact as I have been involved with it all. So, hello. I dig the nobody knows side too. That's the B-side. At that time it was the B-side, although now Ace is promoting Nobody Knows as the A-side. <laughs> That's uh, really, see? And I'm, uh, I'm, I've given it the service mark or the advert line of, you know, the most psychedelic track of 21, which it is, I believe. It's totally psychedelic track. Uh, I dig the Nobody Knows side too. Thanks for being patient with us with us and for being, you know, so that's his Indian, uh, you know, in, in, yeah, he's got beautiful handwriting as well. His painting of himself isn't as good. Uh, And some flowers, some flowers, nice flowers. And his little face there in the middle. Little face, look at his little face. (laughs) Looks exactly like him, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it looks green (laughs) hair and a bow tie. Right. I've never seen Joe Jefferson in a So, so there you go. That's that. Dude, what's and... that like knowing that? Like, I just, I don't know. As I said, I'm a Beatles obsessive, and I think for me they're as important as Shakespeare or 
or oh. Chaucer or Einstein or Newton or anything like the Beatles are the you know the pinnacle of music and like that must be incredible to to have them recognize your music you know, ah sure like, well sure it has to be contact be a nice feeling man history may well do you have a do, do you have a favorite Beatles one of my favorite I'll Beatles songs is uh, Tomorrow Never Knows. Oh, that's a lovely... That's a house of mind, relax, it? and float downstream. Yeah, that's a nice... It oh, no, a that's nice. that's a Lennon one, but Harrison plays the sitar and stuff on it, I think. And I am I like, of course, uh, you know, uh, Michelle. Yeah, so, my bell. so pretty, yeah. you know. I like Michelle very much, you know. That's and uh, the fun, very fun song, you know, uh, about uh, the, um, I sang it with, with my daughter and my grandson, actually, at a Beatle Fest not too long, well, I don't know, within the last decade, I think, uh, Yellow Submarine, I'm sorry, Yellow yeah, Submarine. Yeah, Submarine, yeah, I love it. That's one of my favorite songs to sing in the shower. <laughs> I guess the water helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice. I like any of the Ringo songs, though, the, the ones where he sings. Uh, I wish that guy would definitely get a hold of me. I know I have songs for that guy. And uh, yeah. it would only... Yeah, he, you could write, because he's always releasing albums. You could write a song for one of his new albums, maybe. I could, but, you know, it's like you approach the castle and what do you do, you know? you. Yeah. I... I Trying to trying to get in is uh, in showbiz is you have to go through someone else unless you're lucky enough to corner someone in a bar or, or at a party. Yeah. And you collar them and say, hi, here I am. And boom, boom, boom. Social and, networking. Uh, within yes. the first 30 seconds, you say what you want to say. And if you don't, you know, you could get lost. So back uh, to the, the King of Fur. How did... Um... Uh, George Harrison get a hold of your record. Did you send it to him? George Harrison was in in the office of uh, um, Apple Records. No, no, no. Seville Road. I mean, the boyfriend of Brian Epstein in New York City ran a, an outfit called Nemperer. And he was the Eastern manager, attorney, U.S. manager attorney, and uh, and Brian Epstein. Just for anyone who doesn't know, because Ross might not even know, know it so. was the manager of the Beatles. Oh, yes, okay. yes. I'm sorry if the man's name escapes me. It's tragic, uh, but his office had a door. By the way, his office had a door, and on the back of the door was a big piece of. Uh, door-sized Bristol board and and the and the guests that came into his office rock stars would write you know salutations to him on that Bristol board and George Harrison wrote to Nat Nat Weiss is the guy's name to Nat the king and queen of fa <laughs> he was a gay gentleman so he wrote to Nat, the king and queen of... Uh, and that door 
sold for four thousand dollars. <laughs> Fuck me! Amazing. With well, there were a lot of other written things, but yeah, yeah, but that's so cool to be involved with. A, but I know I'm on that door that way, that way, that way, right. and I don't get a penny of it except the publicity and all of this. You know, like mm. like your very generous interview today. I wanted to show you this. Also, this is a letter from Mal Evans. Who's Mal Evans? Mal Evans was the chief cook and bottle washer at Apple Records. He was a fellow who tragically, you know, uh, shot himself. But um, he wrote me a, a letter about the 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 day that uh, Harrison recorded the King of. Uh, and uh, the musicians did not know the words at all. And then when they played it back for them with the words, everybody broke out in laughter. <laughs> right, right, right. But I'm sorry, I, you go on. This is your interview, so. Well, no, I'm interested to hear more about that. Um, so what was the issue? They refused to release it as a single because of it sounded like the word fuck. Or was it on an album that they refused to release? All right. Now, Ken Mansfield... Ken Mansfield worked... worked at Apple Records during their heyday. He was up on the roof during their last concert. Was he really amazing? And the roof... The Beatles' last concert. Final Awesome. Concert is a book by Ken Mansfield, not his first yeah. book. Yeah. He has other books and he has mentioned me in other books, but he mentions me here in quite a unique way mm -hmm. in that he gives a whole page in reference to the question you had just asked. What happened? Didn't they, they, what did they do? There's a letter. Well, it's just a letter. It's in small. You have to read it out for us. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Here's a letter. Yeah. From one Stanley Gordikoff. Stanley Gordikoff at that time was just not anybody. He was the president of Capitol Records. Yeah, yeah. Capitol Records was the distributor of Apple Records in the United States. Mm. This fellow, Stanley Gordikoff, was the president. Okay. Uh, dear George, George Harrison, mm -hmm. February 18th, 1969. <laughs> <laughs> By now, Ken Mansfield has communicated my decision to pass release rights on the King of Fuh single. But I wanted personally to communicate my complete rationale. So in that first sentence, to pass release rights, yeah. that would pass was the word um, at that time. And it means today, even I'm going to pass. I'm going to, I don't want to do it. Okay. Pass release rights okay. on King of Fuh. But I wanted to, wanted personally to communicate my complete rationale. First, first, I find the record itself delightful, whimsical, and a funny spoof on one of my favorite words. <laughs> Amazing. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, now, I'm 28. 
I'm yeah. 28 years old. I'm a young man. I'm at the pinnacle of the rock business. Music. My music. Yeah. My music. Whatever. Okay. Ready to have an international hit, by the way. At least in my mind. <laughs> On one of my favorite words, it is cleverly done and certainly is not personally offensive to me. But I am not, quote, Mr. Average American, unquote, who constitutes our market, whether he be retailer, wholesaler, youth purchaser, or parent of youth purchaser. <laughs> Paragraph one. Paragraph two. If you are interested in the release of King of Fa, I would readily waive rights so that you could place it with another record company and would cooperate in any possible way, even though I jealously and selfishly deplore any non-capital Beatles-Apple relationships within the U.S. So he, he's, he's, he's doing both things at the same time. He's negating it and he's complimenting at the same time. Yeah. However, I do urge you to abandon such release plans in the public press and therefore in the public image the beatles too often too readily and too unfairly have recently been the victim of distortion you don't deserve to to is a, is a, is a typo here to be typified as proponents of a quote public be damned unquote philosophy which too many are prone to tag you with Okay. With which too many are prone to tag you would be the proper grammar, but <laughs> I respect you too much to be comfortable with having you exposed to still another opportunity for public censure. See, like he's saving them. <laughs> so little can be gained and the backlash potential is so great. <laughs> The commercial potential of the King of Fa will have several critical limitations. Now, I didn't know this for 30 years. I didn't. I never saw this rec this letter. I never you knew this letter like, existed. I never. Took, if I had this letter, like in 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 uh, March of '69, or the summer of '69, I could have absolutely. Because he slanders me by slandering the the record, by calling mm. the record out as bad, as bad. He slanders yeah. the creator, me. Yeah. <laughs> the commercial potential of the King of Fuh will have several critical limitations, some akin to those experienced by the Two Virgins album. The record will not be airplayed. Radio stations will be too sensitive over their own public image, parental criticism, and possible complaints to the Federal Communications Commission. Many retailers and wholesalers responsible to negative adult consumer reaction will refrain from stocking the single. They would be responsible to the many parents who simply don't want to hear the F word, the F word. Now there is your language taboo right there. <laughs> the F word coming over the phonographs on their 12 year old daughters, over the phonographs 
he means to their 12-year-old daughters. Despite these restrictions, the record may sell well, uh, particularly though, quote, underground, unquote, interest. They didn't do that. Now, they're calling me, in other words, several critical limitations. They're calling me limited. They're definitely slandering me here. They're calling me. Radio stations will be too sensitive of the public. Parental criticism. I am liable for criticism by parents. And possibly yes, because you use the F word. The <laughs> FCC commission. Retailers responses. Negative adult consumer reaction. I am a creator, in other words, of negative parental uh, thought, thought waves. A perpetrator of in Every paragraph. We'll move down. I don't want to take too much time here. In other words, that's the letter which convinced the Beatles not to distribute yeah. King of Fire. And they bravely, however, printed up a, around a thousand of them, which is now all over the world. And it, it has ranged from $4,000 to $8,000. I would just say, it's none of my business what people say of me and think of me. I am what I am, and I do what I do. These are not my words, by the way. I <laughs> expect nothing, and I accept everything, and it makes life so much easier. The words of Anthony Hopkins, brilliant actor. So what, what happened after the label refused to release your song? Well, I didn't quite realize the whole thing i should have the very next day that i immediately learned i mean months went by and nothing was happening so and my mind and my business acumen at that time was not that great that i would have realized that well nothing's happening the record is not sell selling although hey i'm still in the uh, thing of having a beatles record you know i'm at the top of the world it didn't matter in my own mind, but yeah, but the record's not selling and it's not getting distributed. It's like, but they are distributing it to people in their own network. And uh, thus was set up the uh, collective network, which has gone on for uh, these uh, 50 odd years of uh, perhaps one of the rarest Apple singles ever, you know, and the most uh, expensive single ever, you know? So, uh, um what happened i i was connected by uh, from a fellow uh, to start a record label and i did brute force records and i put it out nothing happened <laughs> no one would play it anyway no one plays it anyway so, did you manage yeah. to find anyone who would play it on the radio at the time no one will play it today Online is playing it. Colleges are playing it. FM is playing it. AM will not play it. Oh, interesting. And uh, I'd I like to, you know, I'd like to get it on on BBC. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's passe whether or not people are going to do this or not. It's their own fears it's their own fears what are they f afraid of anyway in the world of fuck are they afraid of the joy are they afraid of new children 
What does, what does the F word bring to you into your life? And what does it take for you to change a word into one letter? Isn't that tragic? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. tragic. It, does, it doesn't make any sense, does it? No, it doesn't. No. Why certain words are taboo is uh, beyond me. I don't have a clue. Um, so for for you, for this song, like you've written loads of other songs as well, and they all sound really good. But for you, we're, because this one had, the potential to go big do, do you feel like it's almost like the girl that got away oh was i did they dump on me <laughs> no no, no. Gil- <laughs> it's like a was i jilted was i jilted uh, uh did i l- get sad well over time i became kind of depressed about it i'm sure but uh i, I just figured if if i got on apple records now and if I'm censored now, uh, what's the point? If I reach the pinnacle, if I do reach the mountaintop and I'm kicked off, what's the point? I did not have at that time the correct uh, mind to just shrug it off. And the next day, get into something just as uh, amazing. Why is it just amazing? Because it's me. Because I'm writing it. That what? That's just you know. That's just another iteration of what I am. King of Fur is, and now I am the King of Fur. Mm-hmm. You know. And when I came into Birmingham with Misty's Big Adventure, and I walked down the aisle at the Birmingham Academy, and they played a, a great uh, processional that I've written. Uh, I walked out and they crowned me as the King of Fur. <laughs> that was my first thing, was to be crowned as the King of Fur. And it was great. And uh, uh, so that I am known now also as King of Fur. But I write, you know, I write. I write lots of songs. And my passion is, of course, to get into the studio. And I've been holding off on that because of the pandemic. You know, this uh, pandemic. I've had my both... Uh, both of my, uh, I've had both of my injections. So, oh, okay. Oh, what a nice one, man. Liam. Yeah. You know that your name is male backwards. Backwards, M-A-I-L. yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what's I've... on my screen right now is the word Liam. Yeah, and it's <laughs> male backwards. And my, I've oh, got my that. email address is hotmail.com and I've got, I've like <laughs> always liked it. It's got Liam backwards in my email. Address. Maybe you should change your name to post. Maybe I should actually. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hello. My name's post. Will you be Hello, my girlfriend? I am post. <laughs> you reckon that would work? <laughs> it doesn't work with Liam. I'll try post instead. So what happened musically after, after all that debacle? Oh, I think I kept writing, though. I'm sure. I, yeah, I've, I've always kept writing. I studied to become a paralegal. We're talking now about the early 70s. Yeah. Well, I came back. Let's see. I came back to New York City, and I found myself selling plastic bags on the streets of New York City. <laughs> It could be no more tragic place that I could have found myself <laughs> than walking into stores 
and 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 pitching plastic bags with their names on it you know it was a job i had uh, my uh, one of my my dear brother helped me get a job it was beautiful for him to do that and but i couldn't stay there i just you know i just wigged them all out with who i am and i couldn't forget who i am and i what year was this um let's see I could be getting the dates mixed up, but I... Do you remember roughly how old you were? Well, in 71, I was 31. I was born in 40. So, so... um, And may I just say that you look amazing. Like, you do not look how how old... You look amazing. You don't look 80 years old one bit, man. I am 80, but I take it Yeah, I know, but you don't look it. Like, what is, like... Maybe you could let us know what your secret is. Well, I, I bathe every evening in preservatives. <laughs> awesome. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, what it is, is uh, I probably, you know, I'm not, the word in uh, the Jewish tradition is kvetch, kvetch, K-V-E-T-C-H, kvetch. That is um, mental... Uh, worry worrying too much about age although in my in these years i do think more about age than i did when even as in my 70s or 60s uh but the thing is not it's just a number really and to eat good if you can if you can eat good and keep your immune system uh strong and uh, keep searching for who you are keep searching for who you are which after all is uh, without number. If you keep searching for who you are, it is without number. And you have in you, of course, this discussion of age becomes quite ridiculous when you know inside of you are the atoms and the molecules of distant stars are in you at the very moment, not Mm. only myself, that we are comprised and we are made up of um, the atoms and molecules far out in the universe and deep down in the sea. And this is uh, keeping strong, again, physically strong, which is something that really I'm, because of the quarantine, I haven't gotten out and swum. I like to swim, but I haven't been in the ocean. For over two years now, that's crazy for me. That's crazy for me. You so, live by the sea. I I lived by the sea quite a long time when I grew up. Uh, yeah, and uh, so uh, all I want to do now is go to a spa for two weeks and and be able to swim in a warm pool. I'd like to get back some of my swimming muscles and coordinate my body. The body, it's a total body exercise when you swim and um so it's that's something that i want to do and uh the quarantine has kept me quarantined now for march we're into the first year of quarantine you know i yeah which is quite amazing yeah it's crazy man i didn't expect that even when it happened last march i thought oh well this will be over in a few months and then after a few months i thought oh this will be over by christmas and it's, it's like, shit, is this going to, am I going to be having this same conversation this time next year and the year after that? 
Well, the state of Texas has uh, openly come out against the current uh, administration administration of uh, by saying to their people in their state they do not have to wear masks. To which the administration, you know, yeah, that's not like very angry. You don't but... have to wear seatbelts or something. Well, um, seatbelts are quite another thing, I think. Too. It's for protection, though, isn't it? It's like it saved. Another... It saved. Uh, um tiger woods the other day oh shit yeah i saw that yeah man it saved his life if he hadn't been wearing a safety but safety belt yeah he might have very well been thrust through the window for sure man. that's it always i'm going off wildly on another topic here but you reminded yes. me of it like they always have conspiracies about princess diana being killed and stuff and like uh oh yes and oh, it was a, a a special car that flashed a light and made them crash. It's like no, she wasn't. Well, they were seatbelts. That's what. Were they not? Them, I didn't know, you know that. It's so simply explained just by that, like seatbelt. And I, I've had friends that, or people I know from growing up, who have died just for not wearing a seatbelt. And I think like when people complain, like oh, a mask. This is like being forced to wear a mask is against your human rights. It's no different to a seatbelt, really. That's what I think. Like, I, I believe, like, I will agree with what the scientists. I think it's nice that they care about us, you know. Right? Uh, the one, the one way it's different from uh, a seatbelt is seatbelt doesn't actually restrict your breathing at all. Whereas I, I actually struggle to breathe when I'm wearing a mask, and I. Um... Well, yeah, you've only got to wear like, but you've only got to wear it on the bus, or the, the longest I've had to wear it is on the train. Well, it depends on depends on what job you've got. Like, it, some jobs have to wear them like all day. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I work outside, so I don't have to wear it. It uh, it is a bit of a benefit, however, if you're a bank robber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that that the shoplifters of the world must be rejoicing with the mask thing. Like, that's right. That's right. Just that's walk right. into a shop and cover your face. Yeah, man. I'm waiting for the all clear, though. They should be an all clear, but there is a certain amount of chicanery going on with political, with the political maneuvering of this crisis. Mm. And that's un, untenable. That should never happen. But it does happen, and it is happening, that political parties are using it as a, 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 a fulcrum upon which to balance uh, certain questions in governments and yeah. how, to, how to maintain control over the government and this administration here in the United States is becoming more totalitarian under the current uh, um, somnambulist. I think he's a sleepwalker, this guy. And uh, hey, Biden. Yes, really. Do you yeah. prefer? But what about? Are you a Trump supporter, or what did you think? About very, Trump? very much so. I think you know a vibrant alpha male who doesn't <laughs> give one whit for what uh, his critics say. <laughs> you know. Everybody. Someone who believes in uh, in human rights, individual rights, the Constitution of the United States, which grew out of you know rebellion from Britain, and um, sorry about that. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's the way history goes. But now you got these jokers that want to bring us into the fold with China and Russia. It seems they want us to become more collectivist they want us to become more socialist collectivist and oh, it seems yeah. the the um 
I don't know how the Brits do it or how they feel about it or what the tenure is. The Brits, we have bits and pieces of socialism and bits and pieces of conservatism and we make the two work together. So we have... It depends who you ask, really, doesn't it? We're mostly conservative, but we have social... We we have a lot of good social benefits and NHS and shit like that. We make do with both things, you know? We're not as divided as America, uh, I don't think. There are division. There are divisions here, and you know, liberty is just dangerous. Freedom is not free. Uh, you know, many people have just bit the bullet. Uh, the one question about why why are all the world's governments now so militarized? The world is entirely militarized, but it's been that way for a long time. And I ask the question all the time when it comes to uh, politics and human relations and the state of the world, how come after so many thousands of years, why do you suppose that people have not learned to live in peace? Yeah. What is the problem? Has, has there become, has yeah. our genetic code, is there a stupid gene now? Yeah. As John Lennon, uh, to go back to the 60s and to quote the Beatles again, but John Lennon says, all we are saying, just give peace a chance. No, <laughs> just give it a chance. Just give it a go. No, I do think, though, that the world is becoming a bit less demilitarized. And that's one thing that I would give Donald Trump credit for. He didn't, see, he didn't in, invade as many countries as usual. No, he didn't. <laughs> No, he didn't. But uh, he, did, he, invaded, he did. He dropped a few bombs, but less than others. But that's bad. <laughs> and that's when you, how you're judging leaders. Like, oh, oh yeah, he only dropped a few bombs. <laughs> well, I wrote a song. I wrote a song in night in the '60s. In the '60s, called mm. "Extremist Polka." Swing to the left, swing to the right, run to the center with all your might. Swing to the left, swing to the right, run to the center with all your might. Doing the extremist polka. Spend three billion on police. Let our children starve in peace. Doing the extremist polka. Muzzle news have no dissent. Tear the Bill of Rights to shreds. The Statue of Liberty cries. Goose step as you dance on by. Doing the extremist polka. <laughs> That's the first verse of that, which I wrote in the 60s. And uh, that was influenced in my own brain by the very wonderful songwriter and uh, uh, proponent of uh, social criticism, Tom Lehrer. Tom Lehrer, he wrote it. He's, he teaches math at Harvard and uh, whatever that means. And uh, <laughs> he, But he, I, I, ha I had been very influenced by by that fellow and the songs that he writes and uh as far as my uh, sarcastic lyrical content goes um i think i've pretty well been my own person as far as melody goes yeah, your, song, your songs are fantastic i wanted to ask something earlier you, you mentioned it earlier but uh when you swam from was it america to russia my old friend Ben. Yeah, tell us about that. My old friend Ben Schlossberg Jr. He's passed now. God bless his soul. He and I 
decided to swim from Alaska to Siberia to show the world how close it was, actually, 50 miles apart only, both hemispheres, how both hemispheres were so close. And of course, it took a lot of planning. It could only have been done in the summer, and we did it in July of 68, and we went halfway in tandem, uh, one in the water and then another in the water. And uh, we went halfway, and we were, we were forbidden to go into Russia by the Russian government, and we were <laughs> forbidden to go by the American government. <laughs> Pass, pass you get the, halfway and they're both telling you off, right? <laughs> pass the international dateline, which we did, to which we did swim. Now, there are two islands there. If you look at your globe, you'll see big Diomede and little Diomede. And I looked at the word Diomede, if I'm still correct. The word Diomede from its Greek etymology is searching for God. The words diomede have in have have in its etymology searching for deity or God. Now we went halfway, and I understand from Ben that when I was in the water at one particular lap, uh, that there was also orca in the water. Those those oh. killer sharks with those huge fins. Whales know? or big, huge whales. Killer they? whales. Mm. Killer whales or killer sharks. Killer whales. Mm. Whales, whales. Man. Killer whales and and. Killer is the important part. <laughs> but but there's the they're the white black on top and white on the bottom. You know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know it. We went to the international dateline. However, we sent up some balloons. And we swam onto Little Diomede, which is the American possession, Big Diomede being the Russian possession. And I always remember stepping onto the soil of Little Diomede from the boat. See, we had a boat following us all the way. So mm -hmm. we got off the boat and swam. It must have been 100 yards into the little Diomede, and I remember the people there, Eskimo people, <laughs> taking pictures uh, as I came out, <laughs> came out of the water. And that is something that I really would like to be able to research and get if I could see or find a person who now must be in there. If one of those children or young people at the time that were there, and there were young people on the beach. Yeah, the and in their Eskimo, in their little Eskimo, what's it called? Not Eskimo. What's it called? Uh, the little houses they have. Say wigwam, well, but the, that's not. As it. I remember, there were no tents. There were little. There was just square rectangular igloo. Igloo. In their little, there's a in an igloo somewhere. There's a little picture of you in the sea, pinned up uh -huh. on the wall of an igloo. <laughs> There were no igloos on, on at, in that town at that time. Uh, they're building igloos when they're in the, when they want to uh, yeah. hunker down for the evening in the snow. But there were little square houses, and they were taking pictures. It was great. It was just great, great, great. 
Mm-hmm. And I'd like to be able to, I've started research on, you know, getting to the police in Nome, Alaska, or getting to the police in Little Diomede, um, and uh, seeing if they can help me research a person who may have pictures to that extent. That would be great to be able to see me coming out of the water. Uh, you know, I, it'd be great. Hey, if there's any Eskimos out there listening who right. might remember taking a photo many, many years ago. Well, there is the internet. Email in to the twi- hashtag Eskimo uh, party. Uh, <laughs> we'll find them. We'll find them for you, man. <laughs> Oh, well, that that's what the internet's unbelievable. Maybe. <laughs> hey, there's one thing I really wanted to ask you. Yes. It yes. says it says on on your Wikipedia that you were in the movie Ghostbusters. Is oh, that yeah. true? Uh, at the end of Ghostbusters 1. Yeah. There's a Hare Krishna figure in all white. Yeah. Dancing on a car. That's who I do. <laughs> oh my days! I have to rewatch Ghostbusters it. I don't is remember one of my that, favorite though. movies of all time. Oh, it's a beautiful movie, and that's a great shot because it's a three-quarter screen yeah. shot of me oh, just man. dancing, and I have the, the white uh, Hare Krishna stripe on my forehead, and I also have I put on. It's a great story to that day because I was wearing my yoga clothes. I had studied with the YMCA. And I got a yoga license. I am a certified yoga teacher. And I was wearing my yoga clothes, but it was dead of winter. And it was freezing day. One thin slice of cotton, all, it was all. It's probably the only place I had two layers was wearing my underwear. I wasn't even wearing a t-shirt. And uh, the, the... the director was walking by and I, I said, Hey, what about this? Cause I had taken a piece of the marshmallow man that had been exploded yeah. all over and all big white pieces of marshmallow were floating. Yeah, all over down. One of the best film scenes ever. Right? And I took a <laughs> scope of that and I put it on my head uh, and mate. I said, Hey, what about this? He said, "Yeah, yeah, do it." <laughs> I've so got it on DVD. I'm going to rewatch it tomorrow and find, and try and find your, and find your bit at the end, man. Terrific! <laughs> they did not direct me to do that. Uh, it was my own thing. It's amazing. It's good. Yeah, I try. I, I sub, I submitted myself for the next one. They didn't take me. I submitted myself for the third one, the one with all girls. But you know. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's a fourth one out next year. But which is a direct uh, sequel, right? Uh, so there's a new one, which is actually Ghostbusters Free, they say. Has it? It's Probably. already been shot. Yeah, it's already been shot, but because of the lockdown, they didn't release it. But it's set I like see. it's just set thirty years after the second one, and and um, well, in know, my opinion, Bill, they Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd are both in it as well. Right? <gasps> oh, how great! Great. Yeah. Great. I love Groundhog Day, too, with Bill Murray. Oh, Groundhog mm. Day is amazing. I'm born on Groundhog Day on 2nd oh, yeah. February. Oh, so really? I always <laughs> love that movie. And my life often feels like that day, you know. Terrific. That's incredible. 
So what you got coming up musically, Stephen? I'll show you. I'll show you right now. This is now. Nice. That's uh, that's pretty nice looking. Ace. That's Ace. Oh King, yes. King of Fa, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. Brute Force Ace. Really, really nice, and it's selling. There you go. Selling it's a nice pack. sleeve. Beautiful <laughs> sleeve. It's a really nice Look looking sleeve. And it's a 45 record, man. The same thing that I was doing in the 60s in New York City. <laughs> you know? Well, they, you know, Ace, they're repackaged. They're repackagers, you know? It's okay. so like, I mean, I, the first thing that happens when, when I get someone put something out on me, I say, hey, you want to do an album? <laughs> you know? But it's like, I don't know. A lot of people think I'm a dinosaur, that I'm not alive. So, so, but I'm very much alive and I have lots of new stuff that I always write and I have albums ready to go, you know, so. But I'm, I am at a position where I, I, I can go into a studio and I do and I know what songs that I want to do. And uh, so, so uh, musically, I, I just want to do what I consider to be my best songs, you know, and get a hit, you know, on my own now. Uh, although this is a hit on my own. I mean, I, I did all this, but I, I didn't do this. This was done by others too. And I, and I'm so grateful for the energy and action of other people in putting it together. <clears throat> and uh, I buy some from them and I sell it. I, promote it i market it and i'm considering that i'm in business you know and mm. i am in business and so that's what i've been looking to do and i'm doing that mm. so that is success that is good good thing and i'm i'm looking to play with my daughter wh whom i have uh, and she has uh, is known as the daughter of force my daughter <laughs> and we're looking to play in uh, uh, I, I thought she would be princess, princess fucking. That would be, <laughs> princess of fur. That would princess if you're king of fur, be princess of fur. Uh, it's I just an idea. Sorry, you fur. name your daughter what you like. It's just you know, I don't want to bat in. Princess fur, though, well, the, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. <laughs> there, there are two children in my musical, which I have produced in New York mm. City, nice. to great acclaim, and. Um, I it, that is also on my front burner is King of Fa the musical. <laughs> it's a story about <laughs> it's it's a story about the beautiful land of Fa <laughs> and the King of Fa. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it has thirty nine musical numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it is it is brilliant, if I may say so myself. Uh, it's worthy of of the stage at Albert Hall or any room in the world. That's a place I want to play. Man, I would just love to do a concert at Albert Hall, man. Albert Hall is that the? I thought that oh, is that for plays or something. That's I'm, in London. That's a big room yeah. in London. That's a famous. Oh, is that where they do the 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 proms, Ross? 
it's a famous room in London, hey? Yeah, yeah I think I think I know what you mean. I should know that. Well, London's got a lot of. So are you are you going to get back to touring as soon as um, places are opening? I would yeah. be touring now if if this thing weren't happening. Yeah, but there's none of that. I can't do that now because. Yeah, no one can do anything. And now this guy is letting X amount of people into the southern border. They just had on the news yesterday that they had 108 people who were positive for COVID-19 that they just had to let go because on some flimsy excuse, they say they have no way of keeping them. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I can't quite understand. But I'm writing music. I'm, I'm producing music as soon as I get back into the studio. I am... Uh, um, I'm on a... I'm on, you know... We're all doing uh, podcasts. This is a podcast right here. Yeah, we're doing one right now. <laughs> That's right. And everybody's doing this podcast things to keep yeah. the juices alive, you know? People yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it get, it, do you know, same as you, because I'm a musician as well. And I felt that doing these podcasts have, have filled that void of me not being able to perform or practice with people. But uh, podcasts has been a creative outlet for me. And that's, what it, that's exactly what it is. And in a similar way to music as well, because, you know, I, I'm sure, you, like, making songs is a good way to get stuff off your chest sometimes. Like, uh, as you, we were saying in the beginning, like a great way to express yourself and, in a gentle, gentle way. You know? Well, I um, tell you what, I, I would be remiss if I did not play some music for you during this yeah. podcast and i would like to do so right now okay yeah, do uh by thanking you number one for contacting me for being fans for mm. this support i'm very appreciative yeah oh thank it. you so yeah, much as well so. perhaps so we'll be able to when i come over there meet perhaps we'll be able to jam who knows but oh for sure time, man yeah yeah but in the meantime i just want to brush my eyebrows up and I want to play for you the Sonata in E-flat minor for eyebrows. Thank you. And thank you to all the folks, your fans, who are listening today. Sonata for E in E-flat minor for eyebrows. Brute force. <laughs> Thank you. Ross, you need to put the video to this podcast, man. That's Thank you. Oh, my oh. God. That's, uh, that's on Vimeo in its full. In its full. <laughs> I have to check <laughs> it out. <laughs> See, I, you know, was when I was... You asked a question before, what did I do then after King of Fur, you know, mm -hmm. kind of just uh, was uh, dying in it, on its own brilliance. I, 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 uh, I had been nurturing and creating you know a, a career as a comedian also see so i've been doing showcase places all during the 70s also and it was in 1980 that i decided finally you know i have to get an act i have to i have to have an act so i i concentrated 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 
And when I when I am now as I am occasionally booked as a comedian, I do a different thing really. I, I take a guitar up now un unless the stage is of a sufficient area where I can place a uh my um keys. My I have an eighty eight keyboard, which is not so heavy, but it is uh finger sensitive and yeah uh, yeah i've got the same man as well because i can't fit a piano in my flat but i've got a they weight the keys don't they so yes it's if, yes uh if the stage is proper i could do it that way but i'm taking but for a comedy act where i come on and do 20 25 30 minutes on and off quickly uh a guitar is so much uh is so much better for me. I'm a strummer, not a picker, not an expert. Same here, man, with guitar. I, but I'm a strummer as well. <laughs> I, play, I started. But also, I'm a strummer on piano as well. I always think that on piano, I, I you know, I play chords. Well, it's all there for who anybody, as much as you want to get into, it's all there. Yeah, even on your face as eyebrows <laughs> that's right that's right i that's right yeah. oh, that's so very good. true so uh, before we let you go Stephen, uh what where's the best place for people to find you and to buy your music that'd be um brutes b-r-u-t-e-s f s as in sam f as in force brutesforce.com is for the music and for and 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 now for the single it will lead you to the single whoever wants that and i do paypal with whoever wants to do that of course and also stephen friedland my name stephen friedland at gmail e e for emails you can see my name printed there maybe people can and uh uh, my mission work that is the Pledge of Allegiance to the Planet uh, my uh, my poster I Pledge Allegiance to my planet and to the universe all around and within me one spirit indivisible with eternity for all my mission work of uh, planetary nationality is uh, I carry out on planet work Planet work, P L A N E T W O R K dot world, planetwork dot world, and uh, you can get the music for. Yeah, I've got. Uh, may I, I say it's a I very actually, beautiful yeah. website. That one as well. I I've been like I really like. It's nice. Oh, and thank you. I look about it. I really uh, enjoyed Planet Work the the album as well. Oh, did I send you that? Uh, I found it online. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, terrific. Loads mm. of your stuff's online, man. Yeah, on Spotify, yeah. it, like another way, that if you just type in brute force on Spotify. You bought it? What do you do? You bought it on Spotify? No, if, yeah, any, if you have a Spotify account, it just comes like, uh, I pay £10 a month and but I listen to it. That's how I listen to oh, it. Oh, and you get it as part of your subscription. Yeah, just if you, if you type in brute force, it comes up, man. Well, the thing about it is this. You ought to allow me to send the actual, and I'd be very happy to, I offer you the CD itself because the cover, because the thing itself is, is brilliant. It's, and, you know, 
the the rocks of Ashbury are in there. There is a photo from the rocks. They are like the rocks, not as large, but like the rocks in Stonehenge. Oh, I know Aylesbury, you mean. Aylesbury, yeah. Aylesbury, yeah, it's beautiful there, man. There's so many of those stones. The last song on the planet work, um, it sounds like Land of Hope and Glory. Is that on purpose or is that another case of... What song? Land of Hope and Glory, I think it's called. Oh, you're talking about, yes. Uh, well, the chord, listen, the chord structure of Pomp and Circumstance is also in King of Fa. And the, and the, and the chord structure of the music, I pledge allegiance to my planet and to the universe <laughs> all around and within me one spirit indivisible with eternity for all now this is uh, <laughs> something that I want all I want school people in educational institutions throughout the world, I wanted them to teach their students, wanted to be played at assemblies, wanted to be played in town meetings. Now we're dealing with planetary nationality. The ritual of allegiance is applied to one part of the earth. I guarantee if you do that, you are also default pledging allegiance to the planet so it is making it real just what you are pledging allegiance to and i'm not saying to anybody that you should not be patriotic to any country i do not get into the politics of it just bringing out the allegiance that we really should have to the planet also because when we align ourselves with the planet in a more direct way we will become more ecological and we will be able to save this uh, planet, you know, from the horrors of pollution and and things like that. And Well, listeners, you heard it here first. We're going to pledge allegiance to the planet, but most of all, we're going to pledge allegiance to the king of... <laughs> well, we've got to let you go. Thank you so much, Stephen. It's been beautiful to talk to you. And uh, you're a very... Um very talented musician and, thank you uh, so much gentlemen i i love talking with you it's oh been, you yeah. too man it's god been a pleasure you. thank you liam thank you yeah, so god much bless you. god bless everyone god bless cheers guys that's all says tiny tim <laughs> hey thanks for listening and thank you to Stephen and liam for joining me for more on his work check out brutesforce.com and go grab yourself a treat this single released by Ace Records is out on vinyl with King of Fur as the B-side. This is Brute Force with Nobody Knows.
says it's all wrong, but what do they know? No, no, no. Nobody knows what's going on. 